You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. Ba-ba-ba. Yes, uh, we're, we're good. Uh, all right, you ready? Yes. Okay. You're listening to the podcast, Something Rather Than Nothing, and uh, this week uh, we have a great guest, um, multi-talented artist, Joanna Valente, um, and uh, we're talking uh, to her from uh, the East Coast, uh, out in uh, Brooklyn, and um, Joanna, it's, it's, it's great to have you uh, on this show. I'm really excited to talk about um, a, lot of the, a lot of the art that you do and a lot of the projects um, that you're in. Um, I'm going to go right into yeah. it. And uh, one of the questions uh, we like to ask is, um, what were you like as, as, uh, as a young human? What, what, what type of thing were you, were you curious about? Yeah, so I was definitely very, very shy, very quiet, very introspective, which surprises people when I tell them that today, just because now I, you know, often seem pretty extroverted and friendly. And this is not to say that I wasn't friendly. I I definitely was, but it was hard for me to put myself out there. I was like really kind of terrified (laughs) of a lot of like interactions with people. Um, And I was, as you can imagine, very artistic. I, I can remember, you know, from a young age, always being like painting something or drawing something or writing something. And I'm not really sure why. I mean, my parents definitely were not unsupportive of that, but it's not like they, they aren't necessarily artists themselves. I think it's just something for some reason I just did a lot. I guess perhaps just because I was so shy and introspective, it was kind of a way for me to express my emotions and kind of take some sort of control or power, you know, over myself. And of course, all of this was subconscious. Like I wasn't thinking about that as a kid. Um, But yeah, I think like it was just kind of interesting, like for me growing up because I had a good childhood, you know, I have an amazing sister that I'm very close with and my parents, you know, did the best that they could to raise us. But for some reason, it was difficult, I think, for me emotionally in a lot of ways, just because of my like extreme shyness. Yeah, so that was something that you know obviously is connected to the things you know, you know that you've created over time. What types of what what type what types of creativity and en- enter into? Um, you know, I know you do f- uh, photography, uh, mm-hmm. poet. I mean, what what o- over time? What are the what, what have you spent a lot of time doing um, as far as art yeah. uh, projects? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so definitely a writer. Um, and I write fiction, poetry, and nonfiction. I guess, like, you know, as I guess we'll talk more and more, you'll see, like, I just don't love having to choose one form. So writing of any kind, although definitely poetry has been, like, my main focus for a long time. That's what my, I have my MFA in. And visual art as a whole, I would say photography and like painting and illustration also are my main forms, but I've always loved to just dabble in everything as much as possible. I do collage art as well, Um, just because I kind of believe that the more you do, you know, art or otherwise, like the smarter you are, the better you can understand yourself, perceive the world in different ways. I kind of liken it to a kaleidoscope and that like the more you open yourself to, like the more you'll be able to see these different ways to perceive the world around us. Um, I would say I've always been really visually oriented. Like I was a visual artist before I was a writer actually. And I mean, I've done both since I was a child, but for most of my childhood, I was really primarily focusing on my visual art. So I think that probably makes a lot of sense because even my writing is so image based. And even when I write, I'm kind of translating images that I have in my head. So I definitely obviously am a writer and a lot of people know me as a writer, but I think like ironically, like 
being a visual artist has always been the most natural and organic for me. So I think it's kind of funny when people don't even realize like that visual art's so important to me. I think just because for such a long time I was publicizing mostly just my writing. And I think like in the last several years, I've been trying to kind of change that and, you know, really kind of put my visual art on the forefront again. And I think that was just a natural inclination that happened after I got my MFA in writing, because like you're encouraged basically to like live and breathe and die by your writing, which I'm not criticizing that, but I think sometimes you can get lost in like the literary world and like forget that there are other modes of operation and art that you can do. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking about, um, you know, uh, you know, your work in interview questions, um, yesterday. And I started to think about, uh, that, that one, something that you mentioned about, uh, images. Cause I saw that in, in your work and there's different ways of, sure. of trying to present that. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a huge creative act in creating a photograph, but that's one particular type of medium. And I do, uh, see in your poetry, um, you know, uh, those images that come up where you evoke in a poetic way, which is different than, you know, just sheer description. Um, sure. It's uh, painting in the photographs and the poems. It seemed to me a lot. And I, I, I've been really thinking about a, a lot about this is, you know, less uh strictly descriptive and more of the presentation uh, of an image uh, throughout your work. And I, I think you, I think you pretty much said that. Um, is that the main driver as far as the, the, the content is that you're uh, presenting an image or that's helpful for you? Is that the best way to put it? Um, no, that definitely makes sense. I think it's kind of a mix of both. I think it's more like, I definitely have, you know, feelings and emotions and like narratives. Um, and like sort of concepts that I want to get across in my writing. I think I often think of things as like cinematic movie scenes. So everything kind of like comes to me in these like momentary images or movements. And then I think I try to translate those as poems. So I think in some way, I always think of my poems as having a narrative, like they're kind of like um, short stories or novels. Like all of my poetry books, I would say are almost like, they're all narratives and stories that I tell through the poems themselves. So they're not unlike what we would consider a short story or a novel. They're just kind of written in these momentary vignettes, kind of like films or short films. Um, and I think that's how I kind of think of my poetry in particular is just having these like cinematic qualities and like each poem is kind of its own moment that the reader is supposed to inhabit. Yeah, um, the well, I wanted to zoom in on you do some. I think it might even refer to them as Twin Peaks poems, right? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you and I have uh, you know communicated a bit about this uh, when you're you're in Twin Peaks when you're a Twin Peaks uh, fan or Twin Peaks freak. <laughs> I'll I'll qualify <laughs> myself as that. Um, you know, you you enter into that world, and I think it's a very uh, wild, violent, beautiful, fantastic, scary, uh, but ultimately uh, poetic, poetic place. Uh, when you're doing, sure. well, first of all, tell us about one Twin Peaks poem you did, and and how you go about trying to. Uh, bring that world um, out in your poetry? Sure. So, you know, it's kind of interesting because um, I never really thought of myself as someone who really commented much on pop culture for a while, but then I realized that I do, which is kind of a funny <laughs> realization because I always have, like, you know, ever since my first book, even like with my first book, that is like what I would consider in some ways my most formal Um collection i reference a lot of like literature and film and songs which are still pop culture i think when we reference things like even emily dickinson or walt whitman like we don't necessarily think of it as pop culture but it is you know it was at the time it's part of our canon and our living history 
And then, of course, like, you know, I've evolved and changed as a writer over time and started doing more of, like, actual, like, in-the-moment pop culture. And, you know, I'm obsessed with David Lynch as a whole, and Twin Peaks is a big deal for me. I first discovered it when I was in high school. So when the third season came out, I was, you know, super excited, and I watched it, and I loved it. I loved the third season more than, to be honest, the original, because I felt like, it was Lynch at his best, you know, like kind of putting together the duality of like darkness and camp and surreal and mundane. And that's always something that I've been obsessed with in my own art. I mean, you can definitely say Lynch is a huge inspiration for me since I was a teenager. So I think when I watched the third season, I started thinking about it in terms of the queer body spirituality, sexuality, gender, all of these different things that I'm already obsessed with. And like, particularly, I think with Killer Bob, I think it's easy to just kind of like be like, oh, Killer Bob is just like this evil demon dude or whatever we really want to call him, you know, a spirit from some other dimension. And like, while this is definitely true that he is like the archetypal abuser and like sort of demonic force I also think it was interesting just for me to think about why and is that just because someone is that way that doesn't mean they're not their own victim or a victim of something else and I was trying to really get behind the psychology of Killer Bob so I actually wrote an entire collection of poems called Killer Bob a love story because it's just a side project I was working on just while I was like doing a bunch of other things because I'm a freak and work on like a million things at once. Um, so then when I really began to inhabit Bob as a persona, I really got into like the rest of the universe of Twin Peaks and like other characters like Laura, of course, or Bobby, um, etc. Like all of the characters kind of make their way through the collection. Um, and so it was kind of interesting just because, like, I have all of these poems that basically are doing all of that. And, like, one of them is called, like, Killer Bob Variations in Blue. And I think that just kind of came to mind to me right now just because I'm trying to humanize the figure of Bob and just humanize, like, all of these ideas of, like, how people become abusers, what happens when you identify as queer in a world that's not queer friendly since like I'm kind of writing and inhabiting Bob as like a queer figure. Um, although that's never been like obviously explicitly stated by any means in the show. Um, and just because there's a lot of weird gender dynamics within the show itself. So I'm like kind of really working through a lot of that, especially because right now we're in this moment politically, you know, and emotionally where people are really, thinking about gender and gender dynamics. And for me, especially as like a queer person who also identifies as non-binary, like clearly I'm like working through what this means for me, like within society. So clearly I'm taking this a lot more seriously than probably David Lynch ever imagined. Um, but I find it fascinating too, to use pop culture as a way to make, like to explore these like deeper themes. And I think it's easy for people to read them and un kind of unpack it themselves because we all like un understand like this greater like zeitgeist and theme versus I think if I was only writing from my own personal perspective, it's not to say that people won't be able to relate to it, but I think people can kind of easily relate to things that they themselves have engaged with. Whereas like not everybody knows my personal life or personal aesthetic i don't know if that makes any sense i feel like i just no it, no 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 it, it 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 really does and i actually like uh the active component um on gender uh that that you talk about because i think the text itself and you know with 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 david lynch and um with twin peaks in particular is is extremely uh complicated and i think the you know on one pole of analysis you know there is this kind of extreme almost oppressive patriarchy of traditionalism that's within um 
uh, the text and there's uh, just extreme violence that is the basis uh, of the show and um, uh, but at the same time I, I, I think it's wonderful how you uh, en- enter into that and, and you know um, uh, explore that because I believe the text is a lot more dynamic than just kind of this polarity you know is, is David Lynch you know oh, sure. it, is you know is he you know what what is is he supporting you know they try to everybody tries to politicize it and i think that's that's fantastic to try to but i think part of his thing uh with lynch is he says well i've tried to create you know these images that have come up uh, in my head and uh, i've seen these things you know so there's like less it's like not i'm not trying to overtly create um uh uh killer bob you know like that type of you know that type of violence. And nothing is all good or all bad necessarily. I mean, clearly, you know, I'm the first person to say that, like, obviously some things are, you know, violence or, you know, assault or any of these terrible things, murder, like, those are bad. You know, like, those are intrinsically bad things. Um, By no means am I, like, glorifying or condoning that, but I do think there's a lot of gray areas and nuances in all of these things. Um, And I'm always interested in kind of exploring the nuance, even within, like, something that is violent and terrible. Because I think it's important to know where these things stem from, you know what I mean? Because I think a lot of times, like, people want to shy away from, like, exploring these things because it's easy to be like, well, this is just wrong or this is just bad. So like, we're going to leave it boxed up. And I kind of do the opposite where it's like, I'm like, well, where's all the gray areas? And like, that's always just kind of been fascinating to me. And I think David Lynch in general, his art does that really well, where he's not really necessarily making like judgments or statements, on the characters he's just presenting them as they are and i think sometimes that's the strongest kind of art where you're not trying to hold the reader's hand and making them decide what the character is like or what the actions represent and i kind of try to do the same thing in my art because i feel like it's clear for me on a personal level when i speak in interviews or just anyone who knows me that like i would never condone any like violent acts um But at the same time, I I think, you know, I want the reader or my viewer to make their own choices. You know what I mean? Like, I I treat my reader as, like, a smart human, if that makes sense. It makes makes a lot of sense. I want to thank you for, I mean, just for example, the newsletter um, that that you send out. I mean, you do offer up a lot of your material, uh, which is which is great. And I and I read all that. But you also have questions in there, too. And I think I probably told you that that was um, attractive. I like that because you were and I don't think I've responded to formally i meant to like a hundred times <laughs> on the questions that it's you okay. ask uh in in your newsletter because i th- i think th- i think they're fantastic because your material prompts uh the reader or the viewer uh, uh to think but then you ask over questions that i think a lot of times are very uh challenging challenging questions um and sure. uh, disruptive uh, and, and, and useful. Uh, speaking about that, since I, I think it's so great and I think folks may enjoy it, how do, how do folks get on your uh, email list? They can just um, subscribe. So when like you go to the link to the newsletter, you can like click on this like subscribe section and you can just like enter your email address and do your thing. And it's nice because people can kind of voluntarily do it and like sign up and all of that fun stuff. And I like it because it's a smaller medium. Like clearly like I'm on every social media site possible, basically just as an artist for my art. Sure. But I feel like the newsletter is kind of like my virtual diary. And even though I'm not always like as candid, obviously as I could be as I, as if it was my private journal, like I try to be as like vulnerable as possible while also being like respectful of like people's boundaries because obviously I wouldn't want to like talk about like all of my personal relationships because that would be exploitative for like the people within them but I try to really like just use it as a place to kind of be honest with myself because I like am actually really bad at keeping a personal journal 
you think I'd be good at it, but I'm really not. And I think like, for me, this was actually just like a selfish exercise to make myself accountable to like my own feelings, even if I'm kind of like obscuring them a little bit. And it was yeah, it's kind it. of for me to like highlight sh- like other things that I like, like writing by other people, music I'm listening to, and just kind of use it as a way to promote others and bring others up and like be vulnerable and like, ask questions that like are both for myself and my friends because I feel like I have so many people in my life that I care about but I can't necessarily talk to every day and this is also kind of a way for me to like keep in touch and like keep us honest if that makes sense yeah I I, I really like that it's, it's interesting that you describe that you know maybe like a concern you know is is, is this selfish and at the I, I was just thinking is like uh, you know, that you're giving, I mean, you are giving some of your art, you're giving some of your thinking, and then you ask questions of others, which express expresses an explicit interest in, you know, how do others, oh, yeah. uh, think, think about that. So I think it, you know, it's, there's a lot there for everybody. It's like a, a quid pro quo for the, uh, uh, oh, totally. and I love getting to know people. Like I'm just like such a curious person. Like, so anytime anyone responds, like, I'm just so happy that someone, response because like I just also like feel like what's the point of life if we're not like close to the people around us yeah I I I can I can definitely I can definitely connect with that and then the power of of art or communication there to to help bridge that I want to ask a couple um uh a little bit bigger questions about um uh, uh art art itself. And, um, and I know you've touched on, on, on some of this, but, uh, one of the questions I'm always interested is, uh, about creating, um, do you, do you feel in, in, in creating art in, in, in what you create that the, you're just absolutely compelled, uh, to, to do it? Or do you, you know, kind of make a little bit more of an active choice, uh, saying, uh, you know, I want to, uh, create this, you know, whether you're compelled, uh, or, or not. Um, so h- how is it, what is, what is, what is your process like? I mean, you just sure. compelled. I mean, what, yeah. So that's the question. Yeah. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it's a great question and it's like a super complicated question for me, as you can imagine, like nothing I do is ever, I mean, everything I do is simple and yet complicated. I'm sure you understand that duality. <laughs> so on yeah. one hand, the simple answer is that I'm compelled. I mean, making art for me is just how I process my feelings and my emotions and the world around me, um, which I think has always been useful for me as like a self-aware person and not taking like my emotions out on other people. Um, so for me, it's definitely also a form of therapy. I know for some artists, that's not the case for me. It definitely is. Um, so a lot of times I'm just creating stuff just because I have to, I also just find it fun. (laughs) Um, I just find like making art really enjoyable. Like it doesn't feel like a job for me. Um, and I spend a lot of my time doing that because like, I'm not a big, Partier and I like don't stay out late I'm like kind of always been an old lady that way so I think because of like that like the time I would spend going out I usually kind of just spend <laughs> making art I think on the other hand though I definitely also do purposely want to set out to like make different concepts um that I find interesting or things that are important to me um so I think it's like kind of a mix of both. And I definitely do schedule like time for those concepts. Like for instance, like my book Marys of the Sea is about sexual assault and abortion, which are things that have happened to me. And so on one hand, like the poems definitely obviously were written as an act that I couldn't even control. Like I was compelled to write them for my own mental health and just understanding what happened to me but on the other hand I definitely like thought of the concept of using like Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene as like the personas of the book and like really refined the concept and the narrative of the book to be something outside of 
myself and also just to comment on those tropes and on Christianity, which I was raised in. Um, so it's kind of a mix of both. Cause I think in a lot of ways, I'm also like all about concepts. Like I love concept albums. Like I'm that person that like loves when like musicians do that. And I think I kind of look at writing the same way or really any of my art, like everything I do is like within a particular theme. Like I'm not the kind of person that really just releases like random like collections or poetry books or art. Like everything kind of fits within some kind of series, I think. Um, which I think is makes it easier for me to finish <laughs> something too, because I think when you know the concept is done, like you can actually just kind of like edit it or like refine it versus I think I find it a little overwhelming to work without a concept because it's hard I think for me to really place a theme so I don't know if that makes any sense but also I think also as someone who has like a day job you kind of do have to be really diligent and scheduled because like so much of my day is obviously dedicated to my job so I think because of that too like I am very scheduled with my art and do kind of refine it but at the same time I also like find you know spare moments throughout my day just to make art so like I really utilize like my subway commute or like when I take walks or like maybe I have a half hour before I'm meeting someone for dinner so I also kind of like utilize my time I think really well and like that also I'm sure affects my art you know the brevity of time yeah, and I, um, I, I, when, when you were talking there about the the concept, um, I latched onto that because I'm a concept album. I, I, I never thought about it in that sense. You know, like, are you a sucker for concept albums? I am, and it sounds like you know, that uh, that you are. And it's 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 a, you know maybe it's just a way to kind of collate, collate um, uh, themes, but be able to you know kind of keep approaching it from a, a different direction. You know, not giving up on the idea, um, and uh, as as a way to collect, almost to collect your thought. Does that make sense? Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, I'm asking you that question every time we've been talking. Now, when you say, "Does that make any sense whatsoever?" Everything that you said's made to total sense to me. So I, it's a prompt a lot of times. Um, yeah, that, um, it, that, that, that's really helpful. Now, which I've, I've been asking you questions about, you know, creating art. You've been talking about, you know, spaces and, and time when, you, when you're doing sure. it, you know, the freedom, but also the schedule and, and diligence and, um, you know, you enjoy creating art, but what is art or what is art to you? Oh man, that's a question. Um, so I think on the simplest side of it, I think art is something that comments on the, the society in which we live and exist. I think it is supposed to make us think deeper about why we do the things that we do. I have always looked at art as being very progressive and political. And I think it's, you know, that's also just the way that I was taught, I think, in general, is like, how can we be better people? And art is kind of a way for us to be able to do that. So I think like the question of like, what good or bad art is, is so like irrelevant to me, because I think art, if it makes you question and rethink things or, you know, see things in a new way or change your perception, like that's art. And I think anything can be art because of that, because, you know, if you see a building that makes you think about life in a new way you know like whether it's sustainable or just how you exist within a space like that's art you know a drawing that might not even be like master like a masterfully crafted drawing like if somehow that makes you see things in a new light I think that's art and I think like honestly thinking of art in simple terms like that is kind of less confusing for me whereas I think the more like conceptual we get about what art is or what art isn't like, I think also just kind of defeats the purpose for me. The, um, in, in, when I've asked that, that question, what is, you know, what is art? Um, you know, I, th I think it's, uh, one of the reasons why I, I love the question so much and it is intimidating. It's just, 
I think that a lot of people, a lot of regular folks don't necessarily think in a philosophical way, think about that question because we make so many judgments and evaluation, whether it's the TV shows that, you know, that we watch or whether it's, it's music, we're saying that this is art or that's not art or that's crap or, you know, music was art back in, you know, the seventies. I mean, there's a lot of comments around whether something falls in the category of, of it or not. And, um, I like asking, and I think a lot of people, um, engage in the question. It's just, they don't quite realize, um, they're doing philosophy and the way that you ask, like I said, questions in your newsletter and questions in general, um, and interrogate, I, I think that you're active, um, in, in, in doing that. And that's why I, I really enjoy, uh, asking you these questions. Um, I came in contact with your work um, through uh, a friend of mine, uh, somebody you know, Bung Kwang uh, Tuan, BK Tuan, um, a poet uh, and and somebody uh, that I've known and we've been able to reconnect uh, online. He's also somebody that you collaborated with. He's also somebody who was on this podcast, something rather than nothing. I got a clip here uh, from him uh, that I'm going to play from from the episode with BK. And uh, I'm going to play that and I'm going to stop it. And I'm just going to ask you to comment on some of the questions that he's asking you. There's one actually related related to you. There's there's um, Joanna Valente who worked uh, with right, or right. yeah, okay. she, she made hello. Yeah, she um, uh, she is a future future guest as well, and uh, my understanding now that you had done some poetry, but also she had done some drawings or sketchings that went along with that. Could could you mm-hmm. talk about that process and and what your intent and what you're trying to do with that? Yeah, I I, I would like to uh, to actually uh, send her. Uh, via email, a list of questions about the process. You know, I was really interested in and in how she would. Uh, this is uh, I'm just sort of uh, uh, this just I, and I haven't thought about this very clearly, so the words might not be right. But how how does she translate uh, from what from one medium to another? You know, what does she notice? What does she pick up? How does she? Uh, how does the? How how can she relate my experience of being a refugee Cambodian orphan in America? How can? How does she relate to that otherness? Uh, uh, so th- those are some questions that I, I really want her to tackle once she is done with uh, you know with uh, with her sketching. And so. BK had a lot of other questions as well. Um, And uh, towards the end of that discussion with him, uh, he had mentioned, you know, the the what if, you know, what if if I just if if she sent me, you know, one of the the drawings and then I were to create a poem uh, out of that, which was just a, a fantastic interplay. But you heard the questions there that came from. Uh, BK yeah. that he indicated he might end up emailing you anyways. So, <laughs> um, so your response to your response to what uh, BK was asking. Sure. Which I think are amazing questions. And of course, you know, I've thought about them a lot before and after he asked them and we've kind of talked a little bit, of course, about things as we've been collaborating Um so I think on one hand, you know, his poems are um, similar to mine in the sense that like while we definitely have, of course, different aesthetics and ways of using language, I think his poems are also really momentary and like cinematic and image based. You know, a lot of them like focus on or inhabit these moments in time, whether they were, you know, him as a child kind of remembering his life there or even like poems about or to his wife. Um, And I think that was one thing that I noticed about his poems from the get go, even like before we started collaborating um, was that I really appreciate that in general, because I love narratives. I felt like through the poems, I could understand the speaker 
really well and like relate to them in that way. So when he, you know, asked me if I was interested in doing an illustrative collaboration, I definitely said yes, because I felt like it would be so easy for me to translate the poems into illustrations because I felt like they lend themselves really easily to that. So on that level, that's kind of a very simple way, of course. And when I do that, I kind of try to inhabit the speaker's like landscape or mind, so to speak. Um, in the sense of like the otherness, you know, that's such a great question because of course on one hand, I like, I'm not a refugee nor an immigrant. You know, I was born and raised in New York. Um, so it's kind of an interesting thing because on one hand, I kind of use the experience of my grandparents who came over to the U.S. You know, my parents are first generation. So I'm very close in particular with my grandmother, who I actually wrote an entire chapbook on because she came um, to the U.S. from Greece. And I was always kind of fascinated by her childhood and like early adulthood and, you know, assimilating into American culture and feeling othered and really trying to like navigate an identity, especially as a woman, you know, during the, you know, forties and fifties, because, you know, she was born in the early twenties. So I think I was already kind of in that mindset of like exploring what otherness and the U.S. is. Um, and I think from my own perspective, I definitely have felt otherness when it comes to like my own gender and sexuality, you know, because being queer while seemingly more like accepted now is still obviously not really considered the norm by any means. And I think obviously, especially in this current political climate, there's like a lot of pushback. And I think especially like identifying as non-binary is still like so new of a concept to people. And like some people have never even heard of it. And I think it can be confusing, especially as like I present very femme or feminine. And I think people are confused, you know, if you don't present as androgynous or something else, like what does that mean? Um, so I think I was using my own emotional understanding of my own feelings of otherness into BKs, although like there are different forms, you know, and identities of otherness. Um, so obviously I can't like emotionally or physically understand his in his very unique way, but I think I can use my own sort of like experiences to blend our own experiences together if that makes sense because there's definitely this interesting sense of loneliness aloneness kind of rejection and like a longing and a desire to fit in I think in his poems especially the ones that he sent me and I think those are very universal feelings. And I think a lot of times anyone who's ever felt any of those things, like you can relate to them, even if you can't relate to someone's exact experience. And I think that really drew me into, because I think EK does a really amazing job of expressing those emotions through these like moments and poems that he writes. Um, you know, like, I remember, like, there's this poem called Gruel where he's describing eating, you know, this food and just, like, how that feels as a child, you know, and just, like, that sense of sort of, like, dissatisfaction and loneliness and, like, also tenderness for his family, you know what I mean? There's so much wrapped up in that. I think we've all kind of experienced these things on different levels and different situations. Um, and I think I'm always thinking about ways that we're all connected through those sort of universal emotions, even if we're not all connected through our memories or our experiences, because, you know, we're singular beings, only we can live in our bodies, you know, and in our lives. 
So I think that's the fascinating thing about art. I think that's what art kind of does is that it connects people through these emotions. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's, it's, I find it really powerful. Um, you know, you talking about, uh, his work, I found, uh, both of, both of, you know, your work overall and in general, amazing, but, uh, your poetry in, in, in his poetry and, uh, his, you know, I have, I, I find it, uh, you know, uh, particularly moving, uh, known him or been interested in, in his story, um, uh, over time. And, uh, it's such a great collaboration and I'm, I'm definitely glad it led me to, um, uh, your work and we have the, uh, the opportunity, uh, to talk and the, you know, he had, you know, he had just had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, questions that came about, uh, that, that process, like, oh, I really want to, you know, understand, I think that's really helpful, um, you know, uh, as, you know, as, as you've described it and, you know, uh, and some of the, some of the bits that you mentioned, you know, I've done some, uh, just some recent, uh, thinking about the, the, you know, the otherness and, you know, um, uh, friends and those in the community, um, who are struggling with identity, but also, um, a gay and lesbian queer, uh, and the threat that say, Hey, is in a place like Portland, Oregon. Right. So it's been a political eye opener for me. Like I'm not disengaged. I'm very engaged in politics, but you know, out here and with, um, this being, you know, this, this kind of at times battleground between the far right and what's deemed to be the far left, um, or, you know, Nazis versus, you know, society trying to protect people from Nazis is that, you know, uh, those communities, I listen to community radio and, you know, overtly targeted and, and targeted in such a fashion where it's been increased, um, by, you know, uh, by, by people who want to, um, el eliminate, you know, that, uh, th those people, you know, there's that hatred there and, um, you know, and this is Portland, Oregon and Portland, Oregon is only going to be just a very complicated place, just like many other places around the country are very complicated, um, and, uh, so I really, um, connect with, uh, the, the way you describe, you know, the, the otherness or kind of that, that drive to, uh, connect that I think is very apparent, uh, as a tension in your writing, but also, um, in, in BK's, um, sure, now I wanted to, um, I want to just, uh, ask you a little bit more about, you know, like your job and the, the thing, uh, that, that you do, which of course is highly creative and you have a lot of, um, work that you do in yes, uh, magazine. Uh, can you tell us about your work on that? And, uh, you know, for listeners, so, um, you know, they can connect yeah. with, uh, what you're doing with yes. Yeah, of course. So I started the magazine, um, in 2010 so it was a long time ago it's almost it'll be 10 years ago in 2020 um so i've been doing this for a really long time and i hope to do it for a really really long time in general um so it's kind of evolved as you can imagine since it's almost been 10 years and it's definitely going to keep evolving because i have a lot of plans for it in the future um Unfortunately, I can't discuss too many of those because I have to work out some like logistics. But of course, very exciting. But I can definitely talk about obviously what's happening now. So I would like best, I guess, describe it as being like a lifestyle magazine, um, particularly an art lifestyle magazine, where there's obviously a huge focus on poetry and writing because that's what initially was when I first started it. It was really strictly a poetry magazine and then as I you know grew it and got older and started evolving and the internet really kind of became what it is now because you know in 2010 when I started it obviously the internet existed you know but like online magazines weren't really that common or that popular so it was kind of like the wild west a little bit and you know because of that, it was kind of amazing to start, but obviously, like, has grown since then. So, really, now, it's kind of just really meant to be a thought-provoking space for 
everyone, but specifically really, I guess, people that either identify as progressive or queer feminists, um, anyone who feels like they don't really fit into the status quo or the mainstream, like this is kind of a magazine for weirdos to explore their identities and their interests in a safe way and a welcoming way. Um, I've always been interested in diversity and diverse voices and really like giving a space for people to just explore themselves without feeling like they're going to be overly edited or like boxed into a specific demographic or vision. And I think that for me is always going to be the most important thing about the magazine and, you know, to do it in any form, whether someone wants to write an essay or write a poem or have a video or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And I think that's something that thankfully has really come across to people. A lot of people really like, they tell me that they feel that way, which is like amazing and like humbling, of course. Um, So I kind of like at this point, just look at the magazine as being this like interactive online experience. We have done like physical like collections before and we do eBooks now. That's something that definitely I'm kind of in the process of like reworking a lot of that, which unfortunately I can't give too many details because I'm kind of still like figuring it all out. But like, I want it to kind of be this like all encompassing movement if that makes sense like I want to engage people in like kind of a lot of aspects of their lives and really just be a support system because I think a lot of magazines and I say this as someone who's like loves magazines reads them all the time on one hand there you know there's a magazine for everyone which I think is great but on the other hand I think sometimes things get too niche to the point that you can no longer really relate to it or you feel like, okay, I like this magazine, but I got to get this other thing out of this other magazine. And like, you're kind of like reading like 20,000 magazines to kind of fill your entire like identity. And I totally understand that as someone who's worked at various magazines, like in my life. And I understand like needing to fit like essays into like the voice of the overall like aesthetic like whether it's the new yorker the new york times or like you know glamour or you know new york magazine like you know anytime you mention these names you like definitely get a sense of like what these are about like you know anytime anyone's ever read the new york times you know what their aesthetic is and I think actually I've, I've been trying to dismantle that, I think, with Yes Poetry, just because I want it to be a magazine where anyone can read it. Like, obviously, it's not going to be for everyone. Like, I doubt someone who's, like, a Trump supporter or, like, a super conservative far-right person is going to read the magazine because it's super liberal. Um, but at the same time, I don't want someone to feel like, well, I'm queer, I can't relate to this, or, like, I, you know identify as a witch like what about me you know I want everyone of different backgrounds to be able to like find something for themselves if that makes sense yeah I think it's I think it's very affirming and it sounds like you rather than the kind of if if I could say the intermittent pieces that might be contributed with an you know a traditional format magazine it does sound like you're creating more of a community and allowing those contributions to help define the the identity, right? Um, of 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 your uh, of your project, you know, just trying to get. Um, do you, do you think you're trying to create more of a community with what you're doing? Oh, totally. Like I think for me, creating like a community that's both like obviously like physical and tangible, but you know, also on like online and on the internet. Like I think is so important for me because I want people to feel seen. I want them to feel heard. Um, And I think doing that through like art and through a lifestyle sort of platform can definitely do that. So it's like kind of a weird thing. Like it's both like a virtual gallery of art, but also like a community space for people to be connected like virtually and physically. And I think, 
somehow I'm trying to do both. And I guess like, it's kind of working out for me. I mean, I'm kind of also just like doing things as I go, I think, because that is how sort of the internet functions now is we're all kind of learning as we trudge along. Um, so it's kind of interesting because on one hand, like obviously the site is definitely unmistakably strange and weird, which is kind of my own like personal aesthetic. But on the other hand, I think just like it's almost its own beast at this point, you know, which I think you kind of hit on where it's like when you visit the site, it's like a clamor of voices that somehow I've like put together and it, it works somehow. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I like that. And I hope, um, I hope, uh, listeners get to get to enjoy and come in contact more with yes. Um, magazine. I know I'm going to do that myself. Uh, Joanne, I want to mention, uh, I want to make two comments uh, or like, sure. let you know a couple things and then ask, uh, just a couple more questions. Uh, first comment yeah. goes back to, uh, twin peaks season three. I thought season yeah. three put, uh, Twin Peaks, the original Twin Peaks to shame and Twin Peaks, the original Twin Peaks has been my favorite show ever since Twin Peaks season three. So sure. it was just, it, I, I agree. Um, just with, uh, I, there's so much there. Um, I've been almost intimidated to watch it again, uh, because, uh, but it is a glorious, magnificent, massive season three that I think is, uh, greatest single season of tv i've seen um uh, so i have a very high regard for it the other one uh, you might find interest in a uh, future guest uh, we're gonna have is zora von pavanini and she's actually from uh has some greek heritage i guess i would say as well um she also is in this uh fantastic documentary about portland and portland burlesque and about portland creatives it's on netflix called glitter tribe um, and if you haven't seen it, it might be something that you're quite interested in. It quite, it might very well interest you. And, um, that sometime, uh, in a few weeks, uh, Zora herself will be, uh, a guest and she's just a fantastic, wonderful, uh, artist. So that's kind of like just a little note for you. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so check it out. Yeah, yeah. A uh, couple questions. Uh, and this one's the big one. Uh, why is there why is there uh, something rather than nothing? And in that I'm, I'm talking about you could talk about art or you talk about in, in general what this show, you know, looks to explore is the creative act and why people create things and why we create something or why is there anything? Why is there something? rather than nothing, Joanna. In general with art? Yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting question. I guess, you know, my first thought to that is just that we're all something. You know what I mean? Like humans aren't nothing. We don't exist in, like vacuums or voids you know everything we experience and touch even our dreams you know are something they're real um everything we perceive is real even if it's not necessarily what we consider part of our like physical or tangible reality and i think because of that how could anything be nothing you know what i mean how could we do nothing it's just not possible like we wake up we make coffee you know we go to work or we meet someone for coffee and I think like even those things even the act of dressing you know like all of these things are are acts and acts in themselves can be seen as art you know especially when you isolate them what does it mean anything that we isolate we kind of naturally have an inclination to analyze the deeper value the deeper meaning assign meaning to things because we create narratives and identities because that's how we survive and it's how we exist because we need to rationalize our existence and our being, you know what I mean? Like that's how we enter into relationships, you know, friendship or romantic. So I think that very logic is the same thing of for why art, but really why anything, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and I, what I what I like is you asking in that question when I was uh, interviewing uh, BK, he was the 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 trick to this. And I, I'm not I'm not sure if I should tell everybody and all the guests. The trick of this is is always to to ask the questions back in philosophy, and you know I used to make a career of it. You know, somebody asks you a question, I ask the question back. So I I love the questions. Uh, uh, that that you ask, and and I, I love that question, and um, I actually learned you know learned a lot, uh, you know about about your thinking um, in in your answer, and I wanted to I want to thank you for that. Um, they uh, so um, I know you work. Uh, you got some 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 big things uh, coming up, uh, and and one uh, I know of a book. Um, a survivor and a book of poetry. Uh, but in general, uh, one of the things I want to do with this program is really uh, when, when people listen to you is to be able to connect to, you know, as you described, a lot of art that you do. So is there any, can you share anything else you want to share about, you know, what you're doing and how people can connect with, be it your social media yeah. platforms and in the work that you do? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, about my photo book in particular, since, you know, we discussed some of that before ourselves, like it's definitely a huge focus on my, in my life right now, especially within my art. And so that is kind of an interesting, like culmination of a lot of what I've been working on in general when exploring really the trauma like a lot of my art in general is really focusing on gender and sex and all of these dynamics. And I'm always been outspoken as someone who is, you know, survived sexual assault and someone who had an abortion. So a lot of my poetry, my writing has dealt with this, but then I started this photo series that is an exploration on trauma in the body and in landscape. So it's kind of interesting because it's sort of merging together a lot of my writing and a lot of my visual art and putting it all together in one place. So the book, you know, I took photos of myself and of other people and places. And it's kind of an amazing thing, whether or not someone likes it, whether or not my photos are actually good, um, I think is maybe beside the point for me, but I think just like being able to connect people through their various traumas and through our pain and show that there is, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, like I'm trying with the book to focus on the positive aspect of surviving, you know, we can survive, you will survive this and everything passes like our pain and trauma maybe doesn't, go away. You know, it's not like we can move on from it forever, but healing is a process. And I think healing allows us to take ownership over what happened to us and allows us to figure out ways to survive it and like live lives that we consider fulfilling. So that's kind of what the photo book is about. Um, and it kind of all happened on a whim. I was just at a art residency about a year ago at this point to work on my novel ironically and instead I started this whole photo series which was amazing but also just kind of funny because I really didn't plan it out I think my body just literally was like you need to do this thing and it needs to be a visual piece and involve other people in places um so that's coming out from RK artists in 2020 um, around spring, I think we're hoping to launch it for AWP, which is happening in San Antonio this year. So that will be an exciting time. And I was actually working on the manuscript this morning before we spoke. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like been really my focus. I'm like excited for it to be over, but also like excited to be doing it. Um, 
So yeah, I don't know. I feel like there was another part to your question, but I got. Oh high. yeah, just you know, in 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 about that survivor. I mean, I uh, uh, for that and amongst your other other works. I mean, the the, the photographs are amazing. Um, it's it's intense. Um, the yeah. work the work that you do. You know, I'm so uh, you know drawn to it because. Um, it, it really, it, it, it really interrogates, you know, the reader or the viewer and, um, there's, there's a lot of thought and there's disruption to it in order to cause change, you know? So I work in labor movement, so I really connect to those images, those type of things, things that like are intended to kind of prompt and, and change, uh, potentially advocate, um, and the work that you do as far as art given a community. Um, the only p- other piece of the question is just um, making sure folks can connect, uh, like, uh, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just, just see your stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I know you're on Instagram. Did, did you have a website when you were describing the, uh, you know, connecting to the newsletter? Was that a reference to the yeah. website? I just want to make sure folks knew that. Um, no, so there, I know there's so many sites and things. So, I mean, it's actually really easy on one hand to find me. Thankfully, I guess if you just Google my name, I'm like everywhere, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so the easiest ways to connect to me are, are like definitely social media. Like I, I'm Instagram is actually my favorite social media site because I feel like it's like both artistic, but also personal. You know, because a lot of times in the stories I share, like, my day-to-day goings-on and it, within, like, the actual feed itself, I share a lot of my art. Um, so that's just my name. So it's just, like, Joanna C. Valente. And, like, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, too. And Twitter I also really like, I mean, because it's, like, kind of my snarkier self. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I feel like the different social media sites have, like, different things that come out like my Instagram is definitely like personal and like artistic and visual and like kind of philosophical where it's like my Twitter is kind of like a lot of my weird like snark and jokes um and that is Joanna said and Facebook is kind of my least favorite to be honest like it's also just my name but like so that's easy to find but I kind of don't love it I feel like the algorithm is weird and like Sometimes it's useful for creating discussions, but I kind of can do that on the other sites as well. Um, But I'm on it. I'm there. Um, And then, of course, like my newsletter I have, which is also like a very personal thing, and I really enjoy that. Um, That's a little harder to find because it's not – like I do link to it on my website. My website is just my name, which would be joannavalenti.com. But yeah, I do the newsletter through Tiny Letter, um, which is like a kind of, I think, subsidiary of MailChimp, which is like this email platform. So that would just be like tinyletter.com slash jvalente. I mean, so the fun thing is the theme, as you're seeing, is like everything's connected to my name because marketing, I guess, is a powerful thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, I kind of also just encourage anyone who's a ever like interested in anything that I do just to like email me and like I have my email on my website I love emails I will respond to everything even if it takes me like a little while to respond like I always do because it's just important for me because I feel like if someone like actually took the time to like get in touch with me like that's awesome and like that's a potential like new friend basically um See, I'm really easy to get in touch with, basically, is what well, I... Yeah, and, and, and I, I want to thank you, um, you know, for, for, for sharing that. And, and again, for you sharing, um, you know, as an artist, you know, as, as, as a human. And, um, you know, I do think there's a lot of work that you do, um, you know, that, that quite simply uh, is brave and is important. And, you know, I, I, I do think those things that you do, um, I, I, they're very helpful in the, and it's the kind of the, the gift of art. So I just really wanted to make sure, uh, that, that folks can, um, connect with that. Um, 
Uh, I want to thank you so much, uh, Joanna, for being on the podcast. Um, for my own reasons, you know, I've learned uh, I've learned a lot, um, and um, I really appreciate you um, uh, taking the time. And I very much uh, look forward uh, to uh, everything else uh, that we'll see you create. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It was an honor and a pleasure and this was super fun to do thanks joanna and i hope you have a great day you too thank you you are listening to something rather than nothing